This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builder Academy. If you are a newly promoted supervisor, somebody who's in the role and struggling, or even somebody who's thinking about one day making the transition to management, it is an overwhelming and stressful job. To help you out, please check out our Boss Builder Academy. Our Boss Builder Academy gives you the knowledge and skills you need to be a successful boss through a series of videos and guided discussions. It's something that you can do in as little as five minutes per day, and it will give you practical, tangible, tactical skills so you can be a great boss. For more information, check us out at www.thebossbuilders.com or call us at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the big transition to management. One of the most important things you can do as the boss is build better connections to your direct reports. Our guest today is Ellen Moriarty. Ellen is somebody who I met, I guess, formally just about a year ago, but really we've been working kind of together parallel for many years. Ellen is an expert in emotional intelligence. She's got some really great strategies to help you, the frustrated supervisor, build better relationships with the people that report to you and maximize their performance. Ellen's a lot of fun. Let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. Here's our special guest, Ellen Moriarty. Ellen Moriarty, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Mac. Mac, I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, I had no idea that you and I had been crossing paths for a number of years working with one of my favorite clients, and I know one of yours too, until the magical day when I was signing out and I ran into you. And then I found out we'd been working kind of with the same folks for a long time. Got to talking on the phone and I thought, you know, it would be great to have Ellen come on the show. So the topic today is Unleashing the Power of Emotional Intelligence. And we've got a lot of questions we're going to go through. But before we get to those, Ellen, I was hoping you could share something about your background with us. Sure, sure. I'd love to. And yes, you're absolutely right. We have have worked with the same client and and both enjoyed it. And and I've heard of you and looked at your materials and, and always been very impressed. And then finally, finally, we got to meet eye to eye face to face. So that was fun. And here we are. So um, sure, a little bit about me. It's uh, probably fair to say that I spent most of my career in human resources, predominantly in the area of employee relations. And I worked at various different industries, actually from uh, medical care uh, to universities, to banking, financial services, and um, always realized that probably at the heart of my fondness for human resources was my desire to coach. And so I, I looked into coaching, career coaching, executive coaching, and found it so close to my passion that I uh, became certified in 2006, became a certified life career and executive coach. I tagged on to that with some extra interest in this topic that we're going to talk about today, that of emotional intelligence. And I launched my own business that I call Clarion Coaching. 
And the word clarion actually means clear. And so I often think of working with a coach as a, as a, a, a partnership in helping to realize and clear the way for improvement, for progress, for your future. So Clarion Coaching is the name of my business, and uh, it's been going strong and stronger for the last uh, few years, and I, I just love it. In addition to coaching, I also do, as you know, I do workshops for various different industries, and predominantly the workshops that I will provide to a company are in the area of what is commonly referred to as soft skills, which quite frankly, I think sounds a little dis, you know, it's not, it's not as uh, robust as emotional intelligence, but the bulk of the, of the workshops and the trainings and the education that I do is in the area of uh, uh, emotional intelligence and what we call soft skills. And uh, that's, that's it. That kind of led us to each other in a way. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here today. Well, it's great to have you. And yeah, I've heard that term soft skills for a long time. And I've always thought it was kind of weak as well, mm-hmm. because there's really nothing soft or easy about those types of skills, yeah. you know, and you could have somebody and we run across people like this all the time. Some people, they're so smart that they're actually kind of stupid in a way, but not in like a, a, you know, a not smart way, just there's other areas that they're lacking. Correct. Correct. So let's talk about the term emotional intelligence. It's been around for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't know whether everybody fully understands what this thing is about. So please define it for us and tell us how it kind of impacts our work. Okay, life. sure. Um, and I've been fascinated in this topic and I'll, I'll spare you the details of, of my relationship with education and my interest in emotional intelligence. I'll let, I'll let you and the audience fill in the blanks, but it was brought to my attention um, probably in the late eighties, um, actually through two psychologists. One is Peter Salovey, who's currently the, uh, uh, president of Yale University and his uh, co-worker and partner, John Mayer. And in the 1980s, they began to dive deeper into another psychologist's work. And maybe people have heard of him, Howard Gardner. And it was Howard Gardner who first realized that, you know what, there are more intelligences than just the two that we often think of when we think of standardized tests. So most of us think of math and verbal skills as being the best way to test someone's skill set, future, education, potential. And it was it was Peter Salovey and John Mayer who picked up on Howard Gardner's eight intelligences and focused in on two. So the multiple intelligence is that our Gardner uh, kind of dug around and, and, and brought to our attention were things like logic, uh, physical intelligence. You know, if you think of an athlete, if you think of Michael Jordan, absolutely, he excels in the area of athleticism and it is an intelligence or musicians or, uh, you know, cartographers and people who have an understanding of spatial relationships with, with other things. So it goes way beyond what we had originally thought of when we think of IQ we think of verbal skills and mathematical skills. So this group of psychologists, Salovey, Mayer, and and ultimately Howard Gardner, really kind of landed in a space that had yet to be discovered. And so the one area that Gardner kind of dug around and then these other two brought to, to the world's attention were the areas of interpersonal 
intelligence, which is, if you think about it, interpersonal, being the ability to relate to others, understanding a relationship between people and their situations. And it conjures up the idea of what empathy is to a human being, that ability to relate and sense and understand what another person might be thinking and more importantly, feeling. So that was, you know, Gardner's term, interpersonal. He also had another term that was called intrapersonal, which is, if you think about it, intra being an ability to be self-aware, not only of yourself, but also of others. So between those two, interpersonal and intrapersonal, the two earlier psychologists that I mentioned, and I hate to be too too granular with it, but these, these guys really do deserve the credit for bringing and putting emotional intelligence on our map. And that is Peter Salovey and John Mayer. They coined the term emotional intelligence. And so I guess the best definition, um, because I think that's ultimately what we want to hear, is the definition of emotional intelligence is the understanding of self, and that's huge. It's, you know, who am I? What do I mean? How do I, how do I operate? The understanding of self, and then how does that relate to other human beings? So if you think of emotional intelligence most easily, I think, and I know our viewers are just listening and not looking, but if you think of it as a, as a box with four quadrants, the upper left-hand quadrant of the box would have this term self. And underneath self would have a number of what we'll call skills and competencies. Under that self box would be something like emotional intelligence or accurate self-assessment, which means the ability, quite frankly, to look at yourself honestly, to say, ooh, you know, there's some areas that I just am not so pleased with or comfortable with, and those are some things I'd like to work on. The one that often comes to mind for most of us, believe it or not, is self-confidence. There are so many of us who struggle with self-confidence. Well, that's an awareness. That's not just going blindly through your day and not realizing, oh, you know, I'm not very confident in what I do or how I do it. So this first box, if you will, on the upper left-hand side is this idea of of self-awareness, accurate self-assessment, and then confidence. Um, uh, Below that, I think if you're thinking of it again as as the box, would be an area called self-management. And that's where a lot of times when I'm teaching this, people say, oh, you mean like self-control? And quite frankly, yes, I do mean like self-control. And the self-management piece, also a skill, includes things like self-control, creativity. And I think when I think of emotional intelligence, how often do I think of, of creativity as being an emotional, uh, an emotional component? And yet it is. Or motivation. Think of what it takes to get you to do things that you don't want to do. You have to dig deep into your kind of psyche and your soul and say, you know what, I need to do this because. That's an emotion. So the the basic premise of, of emotional intelligence is this four quadrants, beginning with self, then self-management. And then I think it, it switches over to external things, and that is our awareness of other human beings, of other. And within other and our awareness of others comes the, 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 the ingredient that I like to think most highly of, and that is empathy, our ability to really connect with verbally connect, emotionally connect, physically connect uh, with another human being. And that is truly a a human phenomenon, that ability to have 
empathy for another, another whom you may not even know. Also within that other category, that other box is something called service ethic, which means an ability to want to help others in, in your community. And then also even organizational awareness, which if you think about the workplace, you need to know the, the culture of your workplace in order to fit in, feel connected, and to do good work. So we've got those three quadrants. We've got self, we've got self-management, we've got other. And then I think an area that your listeners might be particularly interested in is this area called relationship management. And that has to do with developing self, developing others, having an influence on others, being able to communicate effectively. Emotional intelligence is about communication, whether it's verbal or nonverbal or or written or or listening, which is also a skill of, of communication. Um, relationship management also has to do with conflict management and building bonds and building strong teams. So the more you dig around in this whole idea of the term emotional intelligence, it really is just one's ability to know self, understand self, recognize that there are some limitations, recognize that there are things we all want to improve, and then how do I use those skills, because they are skills, to impact my life and others? So emotional intelligence is really, if you think about it, it's, it's who we are as human beings. And, I, and I'm just thrilled that people have taken this seriously and don't just react to the word emotion as something that is you know, out of control, over the top. Emotional intelligence is, is really who we are, where we are, and how we get there. So I hope that helped a little bit. No, that's probably one of the most thorough explanations of emotional intelligence I think I've ever heard. And, and, you know, I guess I always thought that it all began with Daniel Goleman. Maybe he's just the first one that figured out how to monetize it. But what years what years were the, the other psychiatrists working on this? The other psychologists were working on it in the in the 80s. And, and as I mentioned, Howard Gardner started this first thing of let's get beyond just intelligence of, of writing and reading and math. And then in the 80s, it was these two um, uh, who really kind of brought it to the foreground in a research area. You are absolutely correct. It is Daniel Goleman, and who is associated with Harvard, um, who, who brought it to the New York Times and wrote a weekly article about emotional intelligence. And quite frankly, it, it, he is the one that, you know, I hate to say monetized it, but he, he popularized it so that it was a term that we were all aware of and could, could grasp. So I give, I give Daniel Goldman a great deal of credit for bringing it to the layperson's attention. Well, I guess we have to think about it then on this is something that we need to start doing. So you mentioned in your long explanation, skill. I heard skill, 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 skill. Now, we always teach that skills are something that have to be taught. It's training. So do, could you actually learn how to be more emotionally intelligent through some sort of training? Yes. That, that's, that the, the good news is that since it is deemed a skill and a competency, there are methods, both one that an individual can do on his or her own and or can be taught through a, a, a course, a training. Um, reading is, I think, a great way, reading about this topic, and in schools. And um, I think, fortunately, because Peter Salovey has a close connection to New Haven Public Schools, in addition to Yale University, 
he actually has a whole uh, team of, of individuals who founded a, um, a foundation for teaching public school students, starting with kindergarten, uh, about emotional intelligence. And so, yes, it can be taught. And, you know, like any other skill, it has to be practiced. So the framework is given, and then there are these core competencies that people must learn, be schooled in, be trained in, be even tested in. And so, you know, if you think about a young a young kid um, who's not playing nice <laughs> and you go back to the sandbox and you think if the teacher comes over to him and says, why are you, you know, what are you feeling today, Johnny? Johnny may say, I'm angry and I'm mad. Well, that's the first beginning of emotional intelligence. The teacher can then give Johnny some tools, some coping methods, can talk to Johnny, can communicate with him and give him some, you know, other alternatives to, you know, a tantrum. And that is the beginning of managing or controlling Johnny's emotional intelligence. So as fundamental as that may sound, that that's kind of the beginning. And yes, it can be taught. As you get more into your you know, work as a professional, and you you think about how emotional intelligence impacts the workplace, then I think absolutely you can create a workshop that would design people's awareness, managers, staff to, you know, be able to understand self, understand what motivates them, and then navigate through your understanding of self into your workplace and into your work. So it very definitely is um, a skill that can be taught. And I think it starts with the desire. Do I want to be more than I am right now? Do I want to tamp down some of my frustration and anger? Do I want to boost up my level of confidence and belief in self? All of that, which I think most employees would like to do, is steeped in emotional intelligence. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Attention HR professionals and conference planners. Are you looking for a great speaker for your upcoming meetings or conference? Better contact Mac. Do you need someone who can relate to your audience and deliver a top-notch presentation? Better contact Mac. Are you trying to find a speaker who can both educate and entertain? Better contact Mac. Mac Monroe, the boss builder, is a sought-after keynote speaker and presenter who would love to present at your next meeting. His most popular topics are how to be a great boss for audiences of managers and executives, how to gain a seat at the table for HR professionals, and how to avoid ending up for all employees. Mac is a phenomenal storyteller, and his talks are lively, entertaining, and loaded with actionable strategies that will enable your attendees to make immediate positive changes. To get more information and book Mac to speak at your next conference or meeting, Go online to bettercontactmac.com or call us at 931-221-2988. And now, back to the show. Well, I guess the, the key there is self-awareness. If I realize that I'm showing up in a way that's not favorable, maybe I'd be willing to fix it. But if not, then it's going to be something that might be forced on us. So it sounds like there'd be a lot of pre-work to getting somebody even ready for. Yes, absolutely, like and you know that's why in the first, you know, qu the the first quadrant in the upper left, if you will, that idea of accurate self-assessment that that takes a lot. It takes a, a human being who is willing to, in the quiet, 
you know, night <laughs> to say, you know what, I do have something that I would like to work on. I am discovering that I've lost three jobs. And the reason being every time I lose a job is anger management or an inability to resolve conflict. If you can make that connection, and sometimes it takes psychology or, or psychiatry, um, but if you can make that connection that there is something that that person is doing that is impacting on their job, their career, their family, their lives, then that connection, that connecting tissue can of, often be led into and worked through with the, with the individual to, to strengthen and to improve that person's ability to understand self. So it's hard work. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I'll just go to a course on emotional intelligence and I'll be all set. As much as I've, you know, kind of devoted the later years of my life to it, it is a daily work in progress. And it's something that you have to have an interest in and then begin to kind of assess it and say, you know what, I'm making progress. I feel, and that's an overused word, but it's true. I feel better. I feel less anxious. I feel more confident. I feel as if people are listening to me and valuing me. Those are the things that people who are self-aware are going to begin to, to connect to. Well, I see it and I see it in many of the companies that we work with, but I have a feeling there's going to be some listeners that are still saying, okay, this is a lot of fluff. Mm -hmm. So the title for the podcast is Unleashing the Power mm -hmm. of Emotional Intelligence. So let's talk about power. How do we how do we explore the power of well, emotional intelligence? Well, I think power, you know, one one is we identify what we mean by power. And for me, power is is quite frankly having people take me seriously, uh, having a sense of value, of self-value. And if I can hone in on those two areas, then I will feel powerful. I will feel more powerful. I always put things in terms of, you know, gradations. I will feel more powerful if I am confident in my skills, in my speaking, in my articulation, in my ability to get along with others. And so if that isn't powerful, and I'm not talking running the world or, or you know, uh, uh, or, or necessarily being a CEO of a company, I'm talking about small movements, gestures, in the area of being a powerful human being, of having an impact both on self and family, and yes, in, in your workplace. That's, that's how I mean unleashing the power of emotional intelligence, of using it for, yes, self-gain. I mean, there's no two ways about it. We wanna be, you know, we wanna be uh, stable financially. We wanna have our, our uh, careers in check. And so if you can combine how you're feeling about self and others, and put that out in the workplace and have it have an impact, then I think that's fairly powerful. So I, that's how I use the word powerful. Well, it almost sounds like you're looking for any edge you can get, and this is a key edge. I, I think, and you probably know this better than I do, I had a colleague of mine that told me about some study that they did with Harvard grads. And you know, the ones that they said were successful, I think they measured doctors and lawyers. And they said that only a small percent were successful because of the skills they learned and practiced. It was about the relationships. And so that that would be the edge. And and I think that especially if you're listening to this podcast today, you are either somebody's boss or you are the HR professional. You're going to need every little bit of edge you can get. And so I'm really glad, Ellen, you could explain this to us. So let's think about this. Sometimes this word EI is 
kind of seen as like a real wuss word, you know, soft. Um, so, so people mm-hmm, confuse mm-hmm. this um, with being yeah, that's, soft. How you do know, we that's counter kind that of the, the, the thing that I am faced with, especially when I am presenting a workshop on emotional intelligence to predominantly men. And I don't say that to be disrespectful. I say that to be, I think it is men who are more anxious about this word emotion. And, and maybe this will help. If you think of, of the brain, and I hate to get really technical, but I think it might help. If you think of the brain as having a number of different you know, compartments and, 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 and locations and sections of it, the section that is most uh, it is it retrieves the information first in our brains is called the limbic center, L-I-M-B-I-C, limbic center. Every single thing that we see, touch, feel, taste goes through the senses of the limbic center first. And oh, by the way, the limbic center is where emotions, good, bad, or otherwise, are housed. So if you think about the brain as being this filter and kind of going through its it's, you know, various chambers and whatnot. The very first area that our brain taps into is emotion. And from emotion comes, you know, a whole bunch of things, such as the ability to motivate another human being. And when I say things like that, all of a sudden, the managers in the room will like, what do you mean? How does emotional intelligence connect with my ability to motivate another human being? Well, it has to do with how well you understand how human beings are motivated. And if you understand what gets people to work and to work well and collaboratively, that is emotion. That's a feeling that you have. It's a sense that you have. So emotions don't have to just be rage and, you know, uh, you know, getting angry. And that's typically where people who just hear the word emotion go, or they think of sad or crying or out of control. That is not what we mean by emotional intelligence. What we mean by emotional intelligence is this holistic understanding of the importance of understanding how we think and feel. It's heart and brain connected. And heart and brain pretty vital to to our existence. So it's the combination of those two working in concert that really do make for an individual to be more um, uh, emotionally intelligent. So yeah, yeah. So so nothing soft about this, I don't, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. And yet I can understand. I think it's it's gotten a kind of a bad rap in a way for those of us who understand it in a slightly deeper level. Uh, I understand that people might think it's soft. You know, if you think back in the in the history of of work, employees went to work and they did their job. There wasn't any of this talk about oh, how do you feel? Well, we've since realized that how they feel, how they are taken care of at an at an organization, actually does impact the bottom line. Those who are feeling more confident, those who are feeling safe, those who are feeling heard and valued work harder, longer, smarter than those who are not being taken care of. So there's a connection. There's a connection to the bottom line. So I hope that. Well, well, yeah, it does. Well, let's, let's talk about the bottom line, right? And so I, I think you're not wrong in saying that men, and I can speak yeah, as a I'm man, sorry. this is a bit of a hard oh, concept okay. to get your arms around because from a very young age, most of us are taught to you know, just suck it up, just do whatever. Mm-hmm. And so as, mm-hmm. as generally speaking, men grow older, this could be something that they struggle with. 
But let's let's think about this. And so in my experience, you, you get mm-hmm. boardrooms that are generally speaking, as mm-hmm. of the day of this podcast, more more staffed with men. And so trying to make the case. Mm-hmm. All right. So so companies focused on bottom line metrics, all these things. How do you make the case then that emotional intelligence is mm-hmm. worth exploring? It's a great question. It really is, and it's it is a hard question. And again, I am not. I'm. Not, I don't mean to be sexist at all, but I think most would agree that the area of of emotion is a little harder for people to swallow than it is, you know, for for um, for for women. So what I usually try to do if I am, you know, kind of going in cold and saying, hey, here's emotional intelligence and this can improve your bottom line is I, I usually start with the uh, HR department and I ask them some very basic questions about their best hiring experiences. I ask them, what do you look for in a candidate, regardless of the position? What are the things that you are looking for? And invariably, what they will come up with are things like, uh, well, we're looking for someone who is self-motivated or who has the ability to focus and can put their head down and get things done, but can also collaborate and be a team player and that they can handle change at a rapid pace and that they can be a problem solver that can handle stress effectively or that they're highly motivated or they have excellent communication skills. Every single one of those, those initiatives that they are looking for desperately and paying for in an employee are emotional intelligence. And again, when you make that connection to something that they are in need of, then it makes for a clearer picture about emotional intelligence. So the HR people are actually the first forefront of, of, of recruiting people, and they're no longer looking for just skill. They're no longer looking for just a hands-on skill because that's, that is training. And training, you can pretty much try to train somebody to do a job. It's that finesse area of the ability to get along, the ability, ability to initiate, the ability to motivate. Those are finesse skills and those are emotional intelligence skills. When HR and managers and hiring managers connect those two, and use a different yardstick than what they had a, a, a originally used for hiring, it makes the case pretty profoundly that emotional intelligence and seeking employees who are emotionally intelligent are the ones that you want to go after. They stay longer. They're, they're more accommodating. They're Quite frankly, they are easier to work with and they bode well for the business bottom line. Well, and if we're all playing in the sandbox, you know, the sandbox is always there. It just gets more technical the older that we get, Mm -hmm. but the same nonsense goes on. So yeah, I love the connection with that. All right. So Ellen, you have worked with companies, you have coached individuals, you've worked with them on increasing their emotional intelligence. So what is one area that stands out when you actually get somebody to see the light with emotional intelligence? What is the biggest impact that someone gets when they unleash okay. the can power? I have, can, I, can I give you two? <laughs> because they're all connected. So yeah, of course you two, can. Absolutely. Two areas that I think provide tremendous value for the learner and the person who is interested in, in emotional intelligence. And the first, it cannot be minimized is just awareness of self. Who am I? And I know that's that's a question that philosophers have been asking for forever, but that who am I? What what do I value? What what motivates me? What gets me up in the morning? 
what are the things that get me up in the morning? If an employee or just a, or a spouse or a friend or a neighbor can f- spend a little tiny bit of time reflecting on what what is it that makes me tick? What is it that makes me happy, sad, irritated? If you can connect that to who you are, I think you stand a better chance of moving forward in any area that you want. So the first of the two that I'm going to share with you is awareness of self. And that's the first, you know, kind of uh, first ingredient of, of emotional intelligence. Um, the, the, the second, I think, is this ability to be empathic is to have empathy for others, ability to put yourself out there so that you can relate to someone who has just, you know, had a lousy review from their manager. What what is it that they need? What is that that area of compassion and and connection that another person needs? Empathy is this is probably the most pivotal ingredient in this whole landscape of emotional intelligence, that ability to connect as a human being. If we're not doing that, then I think, you know, employment and relationships, marriage, friendships, all of those things are going to go by the wayside. So we owe it to ourselves to feel, to allow ourselves to feel the good, the bad, the ugly, the failures, all of it, and strengthen who we are first, and then begin to manage that, and then begin to connect with other human beings. So that is two. (laughs) Well, no, those are both really powerful. Are, and, and that, you know, I guess you could say they're pretty simple, but they're not simplistic. So, you know, two, two good outcomes of this. Well, Ellen, you have definitely got our attention. And so what I'd like to find from you is some really good book recommendations that can give us more information and, and supplement what you've shared. Sure. With us and this I, morning. you know, I'm, I'm old school in that I like books that I can actually hold and I like books that are, you know, kind of uh, historically profound. And I would have to say, and you mentioned his name first, and I appreciate that, is Daniel Goldman. He is the one who wrote the first readable book on emotional intelligence. And he has two. He has one that he calls just emotional intelligence. And it, and it was written way back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but that's a great foundational book. If you re- and, and he writes it in a way that that I think is so relatable. He uses examples. He uses, you know, story. He's a storyteller. He's a psychologist and a storyteller. So emotional intelligence by Daniel Goleman, and then also the one that I found just riveting was working with working as in our jobs, working with emotional intelligence. Also Daniel Goleman. The third book that I find fascinating and very relevant to new managers, to uh, supervisors, is a book by Peter Salovey and his other partner, David Caruso, and it's called The Emotionally Intelligent Manager. And he gives some really, they give some really, really interesting, useful tips and techniques. Once you recognize where your limitations are, they provide tips and techniques that can really, you know, you, you can say, wow, I could try that. I could do that. And I just find those three books to be phenomenally helpful. One other area that I have, you know, that is probably more uh, current and timely is um, a TED Talk done by a woman who you've probably heard of. Is Her name is Brene Brown, and she is a social psychologist. And she has a, a, a TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability. And believe it or not, being vulnerable, being open, being emotionally connected is a huge skill, and it is a skill that serves us well. And she has this great 20-minute TED Talk on, on just 
being vulnerable, allowing others to see who we are is, is wonderfully healthy and helpful. Those are my kind of go-to, and I and, and you know it's funny they sit on my desk, and I always have Brene Brown in the background. She's also written some terrific books, but those are the the my go-to um, my go-to sources continually. Well, I tell you what, I would like to read is the book that's entitled "Unleashing the Power of Emotional Intelligence" by <laughs> Ellen Moriarty. A work in progress. A work in progress. Yeah, that's, I mean, that would be one. You, you've, you've taken a concept that is kind of hard to understand and made it really easy to think about this morning. And I'm grateful for that. Ellen, how can my audience get a hold of you for coaching, for workshops, or to find out more about oh, emotional well, intelligence? I think two ways. Probably the most direct, you can certainly call me and I can give you my cell phone number. So it would be Ellen Moriarty, uh, 203-800. Five nine four zero. I'd love to chat with anyone. Uh, the other would be an email address, and I can give you that. It would be Ellen E L L N dot Moriarty. That's M O R I A R T Y at sbcglobal.net. So that would be an email, and I do have a website, and I would encourage people to visit that. And that is uh, Clarion Coaching. This is all one word. Clarion Coaching Solutions.com. Any one of those would will be I am prompt on returning phone calls, emails, and love to engage people and open them up to this incredible, powerful resource. Well, that's great. Well, yes, please reach out to Ellen. Uh, she's a great person, obviously knows her stuff. Ellen, I appreciate you taking time from your busy schedule to chat Thank with you, us Matt. this morning. It was wonderful. I appreciate your interest in me and sharing it with others. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information. And sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, we invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on-site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye.